Welcome to Live from 495. On this podcast, we interview business owners from the 495 Beltway. We not only learn what they do and how they do it, but we take a dive into how they impact our community. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Live from 495. Today, my esteemed guest is Albert Rex from the McRosty Historic Advisors, located in Boston, Massachusetts. How you doing today, Albert? I'm good, Ty. Nice to be here. So you guys are a national organization. We are. We have uh, seven offices across the country. Headquarters is in Washington, D.C. We have offices here in Boston, Charleston, uh, New Orleans, Houston, Chicago, and San Jose, California. I didn't want to box you guys in by putting you in Boston. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we love New England. That's awesome. So uh, tell me a little bit about what you do. So our firm specializes in helping uh, real estate developers get uh, historic tax credits. Very niche industry. Yep. Uh, so if you take a historic building, which there's a lot uh, up and down 495, especially in the Worcester area, take a historic building and you rehab it to a certain series of standards, the federal government will give you a tax credit as will the state government. And typically our, uh, our clients, our, our developer partners, use those to help pay for the construction of the project. That's interesting. I thought it was uh, only on the federal level. I didn't know the state Yeah, there's a state, well. there's a state uh, tax credit that was created in 2004. It was the last thing I did when I worked for a nonprofit in Boston. I worked with a statewide nonprofit and some other partners, and we created the state tax credit before I left my uh, job there. I'd worked in the nonprofit sector for 10 years, before coming into the private sector to uh, start the historic tax credit stuff. That's huge. How did, uh, how did you get started in this industry? Like, was that something like you were walking around <coughs> when you were five years old? Yeah, well, yeah, so it's funny. <laughs> um, I went to a bunch of different undergraduate schools, finally graduated from the University of Rhode Island, and uh, my then father-in-law was like, you have a history and English degree, you have to get a master's degree. And I'm like, what am I gonna, <clears throat> you know, what am I gonna get a master's degree in? He's like, well, what do you like? I'm like, I, I like old buildings. So we looked around and found out that you could get a master's degree in historic preservation. So I ended up going to uh, BU to get my master's degree in historic preservation. And out of that, as I said, worked in the nonprofit circle for a bunch of years, uh, was inv- involved with groups in Boston, um, was involved with a group called Safe Fenway Park, group called Save the Wentworth, worked on a historic hotel up in New Hampshire, and then ended up running a nonprofit. And then out of that, um, moved into the for-profit world with these historic tax credits. So it's an advocacy uh, issue. It's an advocation for me more than a job in some ways. Hey, you know, that's how it should be, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was the whole, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. (laughs) Yeah. And it worked. So that was good. (laughs) It doesn't always. (laughs) No, it does not always. In this case, it did. So that was nice. That's great. And uh, how did the business get started? So my uh, um, founder of business, Bill McCrosty, a business partner, he'd actually worked for the federal government for for a few years doing the review. He was actually one of the regulators that actually looked at these projects, left the federal government, moved around a couple of different jobs and then started this uh, iteration of across historic advisors in uh, 2003. And then I started working with him in 2005 on a consulting basis, then be uh, permanent open the office in 2008 in Boston and then be uh, became a partner in 2014. Excellent. Because you guys are a national organization, do you guys, did you have to do a lot of traveling? Yeah, there's a lot of travel involved in my job. I've done projects, <clears throat> excuse me, all over the country a lot of stuff in Texas, a lot of stuff in the South, uh, done stuff in the Dakotas. We've been everywhere. Yeah. So. Has um, the 
recent chain of events affected the travel situation for you? So guys? it's interesting because obviously we're working with physical buildings. And mm -hmm. so we have to be on site. Um, the way the pro uh, program works is that basically <clears throat> we create a document that explains what's happening with the rehab using uh, historic draw drawings, current drawings, and then uh, photographs. So we have to photograph everything. Yeah. So, and a lot of our, um, some of our bigger projects last year were in veterans housing projects. Uh, some are in, um, uh, we do a lot of affordable housing work, a lot of affordable housing areas, and we, we're having a hard time figuring out how to get staff there to actually document. One, um, we were obviously nervous for the safety of our staff, and two, people were nervous to have us uh, in their spaces. So it was an interesting year, and we got a little creative on how to do those things, but ultimately wow. we were able to work through it. That's good. I'm glad that, you know, there's a little bit of at least some kind of silver lining. You know, it's uh, at first it seemed like a lot of doom and gloom, but... It did. Well, in our industry, <clears throat> the biggest thing about the construction industry was, um, you know, all of our projects are looking for supplies, and the whole supply chain issue was really, really difficult and continues to be difficult. So it drove prices up for our clients relative to their projects. So a lot of them were looking at cost overruns and such. But the great thing about the tax credit that we um, help them get is that it's 20% uh, is whatever you spend. So at the end of the end of the project they kind of add it all up so even if you have cost increases you still get a credit on top of that so that's yeah good. that's huge yeah, yeah it is that's crazy it's funny that you mentioned that supply chain because uh i mean every architect and everybody that i know general contractors they're saying their projects are pushed out till 2023 right now yeah no it's really been an interesting uh process from that perspective we are very early in the in the project so we're pre, uh, pretty much uh, pre-construction we're pre-financing so we're working on projects that aren't going to start for a couple of years anyway. So that helps our business, obviously. It was our clients that were in the middle of the process that were uh, in a more difficult situation or the ones nearing the end and they're trying to complete it. Um, the way the financing works is that they really don't get their final payment from this investor until the end of the project. So as projects got pushed out, you know, they were paying more interest because they couldn't get their dollars because they couldn't get their project finished. So it was, it was a difficult period for some of our clients. Yeah. I, I I mean, it's just, it, it baffles me that things are going so good and then all of a sudden everything takes a turn for the worst. Well, I don't think we can ever plan for a worldwide pandemic. No. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I, now maybe we can. But yeah, we no. have an idea now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, the Spanish flu, that was years ago. Yeah, Something exactly. Something like that will never happen again. Never. Surprise. No. That's great. I saw that you were a part of a number of nonprofit organizations. Is that something that you're heavily passionate about? Yeah. So, I mean, as I know, said to you, um, when I came out of uh, college, my first job after grad school was working for a statewide nonprofit here, now called Preservation Massachusetts. And then I ran a small nonprofit, uh, Wentworth by the Sea, I had mentioned. And then I ended up uh, running the Boston Preservation Alliance. And out of that, I had always had a strong sense of uh, supporting nonprofits so I have a 22-year-old um, autistic son. Okay. So when he um, transferred out of the public schools in Marlboro, um, he ended up in a school in Natick called Crossroads. And that school actually eventually moved to Marlboro, but when he moved to Crossroads, I joined the board there and have been on the board for 11 years. And I think it's really important um, to give back. My mom was uh, took me to church every Sunday mm -hmm. and you know, kind of taught me uh, you know, how to give. She, uh, she was a... Um, she did missionary work at a, for a while in Uganda. She did all sorts of different wow. things. So I think it was just in my blood that, you know, if we have the opportunity, we should try to serve where we can. So I enjoy the nonprofit work. I enjoy working with Crossroads Continuum. 
it's a great group of people. It's the, you know, the, the school's really expanded over the last few years, and now we're expanding into home services and really supporting folks on the autism spectrum. And it's a huge spectrum as a parent of a child who will never live independently, who will always live in some kind of group home setting. You know, it's important and I feel that I do as much as I can to support others and other families that are experiencing the same thing I am. I, uh, myself, am a tremendous fan of Crossroads and all the work that they do. You know, it's um, breathtaking for me to see how they've affected so much change and really been an instrumental difference in the world of autism. Yeah, no, it's um, just the changes in my son over the period of time he was there. Um, and then he had, uh, ultimately ended up going to residential placement because we knew he had to go residential eventually. But during the time he was there, changing behaviors, uh, such positive impacts and, and really small gains. And these kids, you know, they're not easy to work with. And I'm a dad of one, so I know mm -hmm. how hard the job is. And just to watch these young folks uh, get in there and, and the tiniest gain is like a huge win for them. And they have so much patience. And the work they do changes lives. It really does. And it's not just the life of the child that has autism, but it's the life of the family around that. Because autism is a, um, is a diagnosis that affects the entire family. Sure. It's, it doesn't just affect the child because yeah. you plan around it, you plan vacations around it, dinners around it, everything around it. So they are really impactful. And I think this expansion that uh, the organization is doing now under our new president is going to be really exciting and be, and be able to serve even more people. So I'm, I'm excited to be a board member. I continue to serve. It's been uh, 11 years now, but I will stay as long as they'll have me and I can support what they're, what they're doing. That's outstanding. I, I, I commend them on the tremendous efforts and strides that they've made, and I, uh, I can't say enough about it. Yeah, thank you. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you're part of that puzzle. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's <laughs> a, I mean, fun is, I guess, an operative term, but, yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, for you, is there any major projects, anything that you're looking forward to this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going through it. We've gone through a lot of growth over the last few years. So we had started, um, as I said, I joined the, the Boston office created 2008. Uh, another uh, Chicago office was created in 2006. So by 2014, this, uh, Alan Johnson, who runs Chicago, and myself became partners with Bill McCrossy, our founder. Since 2014, we had added those, uh, you know, four other offices. Um, we went from being 10 people to 35 people now. We've actually hired um, seven new people in the last 10 weeks. Awesome. Because we're so busy. So, and it's exciting. There's um, the big piece of excitement is there's a piece of legislation floating around out there that it's going to become potentially part of the Biden infrastructure package. Wow. <clears throat> which will really extend the, the credit program that we work on. It'll do a lot of positive things for it. Um, it's a, currently a 20% credit. So if you spend $10 million, you get $2 million in credit. They're looking at doing a temporary 30% uh, credit to kind of make up for COVID losses. So it could be, a, you know, you spend $10 million, you get $3 million. So And there's a lot of other things in the bill. So we're really excited about the uh, potential and, you know, there's plenty of historic buildings. It's um, the way these buildings are deemed historic is they have to be at least 50 years old. So we're working on buildings um, that are younger than me now, which is, <laughs> which, which is a little scary. Most of the buildings I used to work on were built in the 50s and uh, maybe the 1850s. But now, you know, we're working on stuff that's built in 1971 and later. Younger so, than 25, huh? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if people, I'm glad it's a podcast because they'd say, what's Ty talking about? But anyway, <laughs> um, 
So yeah, and we do a lot of work. Um, we've done a lot of work over the years in Worcester, which has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed working in Worcester from a community perspective and keep watching it year after year kind of move on and move on. We've done a lot of stuff on um, downtown. We did a couple of projects on Main Street. We worked on a building called the Printers Building, um, mm-hmm. which is right on Portland Street. Uh, I'm probably our biggest project is right next to um, the train station. It's called The Edge. You can see it from the highway as you go by there. Mm-hmm. It's a big student housing project we did. That used to be a manufacturing plant that was converted to student housing. Wow. So we've done a lot of stuff in um, in the 495 area, and it's interesting to see um, how ca- um, you know catalytic our projects are. Once you start rehabbing one building, other buildings will follow. Yeah. So it's really um, it's enjoyable work. It's a light and self interest for our clients because they're getting money, you know. But at the same time, they're restoring historic buildings, and that wouldn't happen without them. So yeah, it's a it's that. It's the win-win. It is the win-win. You know, I say, um, you know, a lot of our clients like old buildings, but they all love tax credits. Yeah. Because they're trying to figure out how to finance their project, right? And so there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why the program was created in the late 70s was really to influence people to start saving these buildings, not demolishing them. Yeah, I think historic preservation is huge. And, you know, you lose a lot. You You do. By not keeping those buildings, you know, intact. And some, some have been altered beyond repair. And it's, to me, it's a tragedy. It is. It is. And it's, that's what's fun about our jobs. I mean, we, co- we come into these buildings and there'll be, uh, you know, dead pigeons in there and just, you know, stuff all over the place. And then we come back when it's finished and you're like, you know, people are living there and, and or, you know, have their offices there, whatever it is. It's amazing to see these transformations and to see these old buildings. And because they are, I mean, they are, you know, they're educational. They're, you know, they're history, living history on the landscape, right? So it's fun to be able to work on this kind of stuff. Awesome. Do you guys find yourself aligning with um, historic societies all over the country? So we, we will run into historic um, societies. We'll, we'll run into historic commissions all over the country. And so um, aligning a little bit, we, we certainly support especially um, statewide nonprofits, some citywide nonprofits. We do a lot of, um, you know, being having seven offices and being a smart company, it's hard to do as many contributions as we get asked for. But we, uh, we support a lot of the different nonprofits that are involved in historic preservation because we, we believe in what they do. That's awesome. Uh, it's been absolutely a pleasure to have you here today and have you on Live from 495. I've just been like a kid in a candy store, you know, getting okay. a chance to listen to everything that you have to say. Like, I, I enjoy learning about your business. You know, this, I could go on forever asking you. 16 billion questions uh, well hopefully i'd have at least 15 million or 15 billion answers but <laughs> i appreciate you having me here today it's absolute it's my pleasure what's um if people are out there looking for you after they hear this podcast what's one way for them to get a hold of you uh the easiest way is probably to find us on the web uh macrosty historic advisors m-a-c-r-o-s-t-i-e historic advisors and uh, we'll pop up. I mean, there's, um, as I said, you'll see um, our website. You can actually check out some of our projects, get a sense of what we do. And then, um, you know, give me a call. My phone number's there. Awesome. And uh, any pro tips or advice before the uh, listeners out there? Um, relative to the historic tax credit program, you never know what's historic these days. <laughs> yeah. As I said, with, you know, 1971, there's, uh, we're working on uh, hospital buildings. More recent, we're working on... Um, garden apartments, you, you name it, things that you look at and they're like, yeah, that's not historic. So, you know, never doubt it. Give us a call. We'll kick the tires and see if we can help you. I love it. 
Thank you again, Albert, for being here on Live for 495. It's a, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Ty. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening to another great episode of Live from 495. Thank you for listening to Live from 495. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And don't forget to check out some other great episodes. 